Good morning, church. Morning. Hope you're having a blessed day already. It's a great day. Uh, it's always a great day to come and worship here the Lord, and so I'm grateful for that. Uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Patrick Hobbs. I'm a minister to students and families, so most of the time uh, you'll find me over in the hub area, but I do try to make it around. I've planted children all over campus, so you just need to find them at the end of the each Sunday. So if you're a guest here with us today, we're so excited to have you. And, uh, you know, I would love to get you, get to know you a little bit better. So uh, at the end of service, feel free to come on up and uh, we can get to know each other a little bit better. So, uh, and if I stutter or anything like that this morning, we had a lock-in in student ministries this weekend. So a um, little bit tired, but we're doing all right. We're doing good. Hey, turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 16. That's where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 16, and um, you know, as you're studying God's Word, He just brings things to you that you can use in your sermons, right? And you don't have to plan it, it just happens. And so this week, I had a wonderful example of this. And so uh, my uh, beautiful bride, uh, about a couple of weeks ago, one of her back molars cracked. And so I found myself Friday morning in an oral surgeon's office, uh, sitting in the waiting room, and waiting for my wife to go in and have the tooth removed. Everything went fine. She's here and can't even notice it's not there anymore. But at any rate, while I'm there at this oral surgeon's office, um, I'm, I'm sitting in the waiting room. And if you ask any of my children, you'll find out I don't watch much television. Uh, what I do watch is like uh, 60s and 70s detective shows. Um, and so that just kind of tells you where I'm at with television. Um, but uh, we're sitting in the waiting room, and there's a television on, and there's the Ellen Show on. And so it caught my attention. Uh, I'm trying to feverishly prepare uh, as I'm sitting there, trying to make good use of every moment. And uh, the particular guest that was there, I don't know who he is. Uh, I know that when he came on stage, I was like, wow, this is a, a big guy, you know? And uh, soon, you know, through the subtitles, I could find out that this apparently was the star of a new hero film called Aquaman. So I don't know if you all are familiar with that. I'm more of a Superman guy myself. So uh, I, Aquaman, all right, well. So at any rate, this gentleman comes out there and you know, he's this hulking figure, waving brown hair, you know, huge biceps. And he comes onto the stage and the ladies are excited and there was a couple guys there too. But, um, <laughs> And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, wow, all right, you know, here we go. Here's a world thing, like an application I can put into my sermon this Sunday. Well, then he proceeds uh, for charity to throw these axes at the wall. And if he hits these little targets, he gets money for charity. And suddenly I become very aware that I have maybe fallen short in my parenting and fallen short as a husband because I cannot throw axes. <laughs> and so I'm just like, wow, this guy, that's a task that I just have not taken. So I lean over to my bride and I say, honey, am I a failure as a dad? <laughs> a failure as a husband? I can't throw axes. Like Aquaman can throw axes. And she says, no, honey, that's okay. That's not that big a deal. But then she reminds me that there is a place in Knoxville, apparently, where you can throw axes. So I'm not sure if maybe I do need to learn how to throw axes, and that's like her subtle way of letting me know. Um, 
But at any rate, um, it was kind of a, a fun giggling uh, experience there. But all kidding aside, I oftentimes find myself trying to see, hey, how am I doing? Uh, I'm trying to find out my own self-worth. You know, how am I doing? And I'm trying to do a, an examination of myself, an examination of my heart. Here on, on planet Earth, we are often have images thrown in front of us of what, you know, you are supposed to be as a man. Aquaman, right? Uh, the, the athlete, right? You find out who you're supposed to be in America. And from time to time, I often wonder, from a fatherly perspective, am I teaching my children or my grandchildren? I don't have grandchildren yet, but um, am I teaching my children what I need to be teaching them? If I look back on my life, how have I been doing with that? And then I look back at how have I been as a husband? Have I helped my wife? And so I was doing this reflection. And also, from a Christian perspective, Wondering, how have I done as a follower of Jesus Christ? And this morning, we are going to look at two individuals in this passage of Scripture in Luke 16. And we're going to see where one individual, he hit the mark, right? He hit it. And then there was another one who did not. This passage comes from the mouth of Jesus. We cannot tell you how important that is. We have an instructive passage here, this parable from Jesus. And so let's read along as I read through Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that, they may, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This sobering passage here, Jesus tells us 
from his own words about heaven and hell. A little bit about heaven and hell. A little background here. Jesus, at this time in his ministry, is walking along the countryside, performing miracles and teaching disciples along the way. He's also encountering, encountering Pharisees along the way who are continually testing him. So we can see how his ministry is through instruction, evangelism, and service at the same time. And it's a great picture of how we are to go forward into the world. Into the world. Now, the parables immediately preceding this passage, right, it's good to look in context, are demonstrating our worth in God's eyes. From the perspective of being a lost sheep, a lost coin, or a lost son, Jesus wants us to know how deeply the Father loves us. He will search for his lost ones, search for his treasure, search for his sons, or wait the coming of his sons. Then Jesus begins sharing parables covering the law and how people are to conduct themselves. Jesus wants us to know that our response to God's love is by devoting our hearts and our hands to him here on earth. We are to be holy. Well, right in the middle of this section is where we find the parable we'll be looking at this morning. So let's jump right in. I've divided this passage into four parts. These are titled The Earthly Realm, The Earthly Realm, The Eternal Results, The Empathetic Request, and The Exceptional Reality. The Earthly Realm, The Eternal Results, The Empathetic Request, and The Exceptional Reality. So let's look here at the earthly realm. As we see back in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 23, the first thing we're confronted with is these biographies of these two gentlemen. We see that there's this one man, the rich man, and we will see later on that he is calling out to Abraham, his father, Abraham. And so what this is talking about is that this rich man is part of the lineage of Abraham. He is a Jew. He is a Jew. He is not only rich, but we will see him. This guy is a Jew. He was born into his faith. He grew up in a Jewish home, if you will. And not only that, but as you look at this individual, this rich man, he is blessed by God. He, as it says, has clothing and fine linen, purple and he feasted sumptuously every day. This is Aquaman. <laughs> He's got it going on, okay? He has it all. He has it all. Not only does he have the best-looking pickup truck in the parking lot, he also has the best college apparel and the best tailgate party. This is who this gentleman is. Maybe that was too soon. Uh, you see, <clears throat> in the Jewish culture of this day, your prosperity was seen as being a blessing from God. If you were a Jew and you were rich, you were being blessed from the Father. And so this gentleman had an exorbitant wealth, as we see through his clothing and his actions. He, would have been, he was looked upon as having much wealth as a result of him being blessed by the Lord. Well, we also have another gentleman in this passage, and his name is Lazarus. And it says here that 
He was laid at the rich man's gate. He was destitute. He had no job. He could not take care of his own physical needs. He was essentially lying in the back of the mansion waiting for the help to bring out the garbage. In fact, his friends looked at him and said, hey, this guy's in such rough shape, let's just carry him over and put him near the, the dumpster. Maybe he can get himself a meal. He was in such bad situation that you could look at him as being a stray dog or a stray cat that maybe comes to your house to get a little morsel because you can't find nourishment. He was covered with sores such that the dogs were coming and licking him, thinking, hey, is this guy dead? Maybe we can eat him. That's a bad state to be in. And in this culture, they would, he would have been looked upon as having been cursed by God. Not a guy that we'd be inviting over. So we have one guy who essentially, from a worldly perspective, has everything, and the other guy who just wants a doggy bag and some dog repellent. Don't focus on what we can see. Don't look at the outward signs. Look upon the heart. There's a Bible verse about that, right? 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The rich man in this parable had from all outward signs, from his birth, he was golden. He was entitled to go to heaven. This poor man, who we'll find out, was a follower of God, as we see by evidence that he was at Abraham's side. We can see that his name in the Hebrew means Eliezer, which means God is my help. So if we look at this, I mean, how does this relate back to us? Why is Jesus telling us about these two individuals? Well, as, as you remember, I told you about the background. He's going around teaching his disciples, and that's what he's doing at this point. And in this particular passage, the rich man represents the line of the Jewish, the Pharisees. And then we have this destitute beggar, this poor man who is a follower of Christ. And so our, health, our heart examination question, our first heart examination question when it comes to this earthly realm is this. Who's being laid at the gate at West Park? Who's being brought here for us to take care of? Are there believers that are being brought here? Where are those opportunities? This Pharisee, this one who supposedly was entitled to heaven, didn't even care for the ones that were brought to him. Sounds like the good parable of the Good Samaritan, doesn't it? Well, that was the eternal, or excuse me, the earthly realm. Now let's take a look at the eternal results. Well, we get this twist now as we begin to look back at those, those verses. It says in verse 22, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off 
and Lazarus at his side. We get this twist. We have this rich individual who's entitled to heaven, and we have this poor individual. But what happens? Well, Jesus says, okay, they die. It's almost like we're watching a play. The curtain drops after the background, after we get to know the the actors a little bit. And when the curtain opens back up, what do we see? Act two. We see on one side of the stage, we see hell. And it's represented as a place of torment, a place where folks are just seeking the cooling of their tongues. They want mercy. They're in anguish and they're in flame. But on the other side of the stage, we see this area that is represented by comfort, where the faithful are. Jesus describes it as a mansion with many rooms. We see in Revelation that at the same time, this is the place that John would say is how it's constructed with the golden streets. And also a a, a wedding banquet waiting for us. We have quite the difference between this side of the stage of hell and this side of the stage that is heaven. And so now let's look back specifically at who is where. So on the one side in hell, we have this rich man. And it's a real place. You know, if you were to come back, if you were to go back in time, and see who I was before I was a believer in Christ, you would, you would say, hey, do you, Patrick, do you believe in heaven and hell? And I would say, yes, of course. And studies show that three out of four people believe in heaven and hell. And then if you asked me as an unbeliever, do you think you're going to hell? Four percent of people believe they go to, they're going to hell. Four out of a hundred believe they're going to hell. Four out of a hundred believe they're actually going to go to this side of the stage where the torment and anguish forever is happening. Well, Jesus wants us to understand that this is not so. You know, and in fact, I needed to understand as an unbeliever that this was not so. You see... Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. We are on Satan's team. We are like the rich man. That's where we begin in our humanity. The scriptures say, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we are not entitled in any way like this rich man to to heaven. We are entitled to hell. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about how the gospel is veiled by Satan. Satan doesn't want you to know that you're on a trajectory for hell. He's trying to distract you from that, just as I was distracted. But my distraction was this. Oh, there's this scale thing. And as long as my good and my bad, as long as I do more good than bad, I'm going to heaven. No, that's not right. The scale already says that I'm bad. And there's no way that I can get out of that. In fact, I'm adding to the bad. It's a storehouse of sin. I am in hell. 
much like this rich man who didn't realize he thought from being a Jewish home by people saying that he was blessed by God that he would end up in heaven. But in reality, he was going to hell, just like every one of us. But thankfully, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that he, Jesus Christ, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's what Lazarus' pathway was. That was his trajectory. So now we can begin to see. Now we're no longer looking upon the outside. We're not looking on the outer side of the rich man and Lazarus. We have a bit of a window into these individuals because the rich man ended up in hell. So we must understand there's something about his heart that causes him to go to hell. And there's something about Lazarus's heart that saved him from it. And now he's in heaven. And so as we look at these two men, we can see this rich man who does not understand. But here in verse 23, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Do you see where his heart is? Do you see where the focus is for his life? It's still on himself. Even in hell. Even in hell. Have mercy on me. And he's now going to say how to do this. Hey, that guy, Lazarus, who's with you? Yeah, he's the guy who's beat my gate all the time. Go send him to get some water. And have him bring it to me. Do you see the depravity of his heart? He's still, he's in hell still thinking that he's got some kind of power. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Satan is still veiling the gospel, even in hell, from this person who's perishing. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in the water and that cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. You know what's also interesting here? This is Jesus talking about hell. He has a lot to say about hell. Hell is real. It is a place that we need to be concerned about. Amen. Well, how does Father Abraham respond? Father Abraham in verse 25 says, Child maybe referring to his status as being a Jewish citizen, as being, as he's calling out father to Abraham, he's now calling back child. Remember that you in your lifetime received your good things. And Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. He says, no, not bringing any water. That's the short version of this. And you can look at this, and let's take a look here. When we, our, our heart examination, 
The second heart examination question I want you to see here is, are you being distracted from the truth? This message is grace for truth. God's goodness for truth. The truth of what we'll see in just a minute with the scriptures. Are you being distracted? Do you know that you are on a trajectory for heaven? Because of what Jesus Christ has done? Because of what the scriptures are teaching you? Because if not, you are surely on a trajectory for hell. And I would love nothing more than explain that situation more to you. You are not neutral, as I thought I was as an unbeliever, thinking, oh, that heaven and hell thing? Yeah, that's real, but I don't know anything about that. I'll just put that to the side, and I'm in an okay neutral status. You are not in a neutral status. You are in the Bible. You have destiny in one of two realms. So that's the second one. Now let's take a look at the empathetic request. And we'll look back here at these verses once again. First off, this rich man says, hey, please bring me something to cool my tongue. Again, just demonstrating how horrifying hell is. And after Father Abraham says, no, he then says, well, in verse 28, oh, excuse me, in verse um, 28, he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So his second request, his first request, is for just his tongue to be cooled, focused on myself. And now what's the second most important in this rich man's life? Now my family. How is this a representation of maybe each one of us? Maybe we need to do this heart examination on ourselves. Are we in the center of things? And then we have our families next in line. Those are out of whack. We'll see in just a moment. The first priority should always be the word. But he says, so, so since you won't help me with my tongue problem, will you help my brothers? Please send Lazarus to my brothers. And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. This is interesting. He thinks that if someone comes back from the dead, then his brothers will then see this amazing miracle and that will be what they need to believe in God. Well, we know that there are those even today that have someone who came back from the dead and yet they still don't believe. Now, this is also a shout out to, to parents or fathers that are out there. This family, these boys grew up in a Jewish home. They had access to the scriptures. And yet, they were going to hell. Let us, parents, make sure that we're diligently 
sharing the word of God with our children. How tragic is this? That there are six boys that are destined for hell. And so as we look at this, how will we, how will we, heart examination question number three, how will we react to our own eternity where we will be destined for one day? Are we entitled to heaven because of what home we were raised in? No. We are entitled to hell. Will we ask the Lord to send a dead man to save some people? Who are those people that we're worrying about? We should be going and sharing the word with them ourselves. Amen. The empathetic request. Even in this place of eternal hell, he's asking the wrong questions. Well, and then we have the exceptional reality. We go back to our passage in Luke chapter 16, verses 30 and 31. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Abraham's response, they have the word. They can find everything they need. Sam's lesson last week, how the gospel can be seen in the ark account of Noah. It's wonderful. The passage that Al read this morning from Hebrews 11, talking about from the Old Testament itself, these words, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old receive their commendation, right? And then he goes on in Hebrews, talking about Abel, talking about Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Rahab, talking about all of these Old Testament believers who had faith in Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, I'll read this for you. Paul is stating to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling Timothy, Go look at the Old Testament. Jesus is in there. Don't forget it. The sufficiency of the scriptures. Truth was available to the rich man. Truth was available to his brothers. Truth is available to us. Jesus prayed in John 17, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you may keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. 
The word of God is the way of salvation. The word of God is the way of salvation. You remember how that book of John begins? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is the word? Jesus Christ is the word. Jesus Christ is the story of the scriptures. And you are in that story. Like it or not, realize it or not, you are in the story. So, church, as we look at this passage, we see how Jesus is teaching his disciples. And we can see how there was one man who would have been identified with the church of that day. And how he went about his way feasting daily and wearing fine clothes while people who were in need were sitting right outside his doorstep. And now Jesus is telling him it's because he wasn't in the word. He had the word. He could have gotten to heaven through the word. He would have been a changed person through the word of God, through truth. But because he wasn't looking at the truth, he wasn't even helping the people sitting on the front doorstep. How do we respond to this? This rich man who neglected the scriptures. Are we disciplined at reading God's truth? Does our life reflect salvation from eternal hell? Do we look more like Lazarus, who's just making it day by day? Or do we look like the rich man who's just going through the motions, too busy to be bothered with some of these needs that are out there? Or, you know, maybe I'm a student and I'm I can't do things like that because I'm not an adult. Or maybe that's not my gift. That's not my spiritual gift. Well, Jesus would say baloney. That's what he was saying right here about this rich guy. He had the word of God. And he didn't use it. You know, um, Jesus said in Matthew 7, some will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. James said, you will know them by their works, right? Not because of their works, but because of what's happened in them. Because they went from this place of torment and anguish. and Because they couldn't even get themselves out of it, didn't even realize they were in it. And Jesus tore away that veil. And they said, oh, there's Jesus. Help me. And Jesus took them out of that realm of darkness and brought them into comfort. And then, because of this exchange right here, I want to go tell everybody. I want to go help everybody. 
We need to be in the Word. And then we can see what's going on around us. You know, every Thursday an email comes out from the church called The Pulse. And in there, there's all the different various events that are going on. There's how many people showed up. There's how much was given, all those, those things that are in there. And I would say, hey, you know what? If you're a member of the church, you should be reading through all of that. I see areas where we need help, where there are people that are coming to the church needing help. We don't have enough people in children's ministry. And that's not the point of my message. I'm just saying if I look upon what's going on, maybe we look a little bit more like the rich man. I work in students, not children. If you are a guest here today, and maybe you don't know who Jesus Christ is, just remember that passage from Colossians chapter 1, I quoted verse 13. Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And the important verse that's here, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. You don't understand all that if you're an unbeliever, but I would love to get to know you because I was there for 31 years. And it may take us 31 more years, but I'm all in. I want to know. I want to be able to help. I want to be able to show you that glorious light in that dark world. Doug's going to come here, and we're going to <clears throat> sing a song here in closing. And I just invite you, as you do this heart examination, that if you <clears throat> say, hey, you know, I have been slack. I haven't necessarily been into the Word of God like I should have been recently. I would just exhort you, get back into God's Word. Your life will look different. You will see differently. Get into his word. And so I'm going to pray. And as Doug comes up to, to, to sing this closing song, if you have something that you need to pray about, I'll be up here. Make your way up here. I would love nothing less to come and, and pray with you here this morning.